Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Belgian Confession article number 14 on this week's Catechism Saturday. And for this week's Belgian Confession, we'll be going through article 14, the creation and fall of man. But before we get to this week's episode, make sure you listen to this Monday's season four, the Reformed Church episode four on the Belgian Confession with Reverend Danny Hyde of Oceanside URC, my pastor, who wrote the book on the Belgic Confession with heart and mouth. And then this Thursday, we had a book club with Amy Bird, a repeat book club guest on her recent or her newest Zondervan book, The Sexual Reformation, which is really a typological, and we'll explain this in that episode, and theological look at the Song of Songs. So... Let's get started. Article 14, the creation and fall of man. We believe that God created man from the dust of the earth and made and formed him in the image and likeness, in his image and likeness, good, just, and holy, able by his own will to conform in all things to the will of God. But when he was in honor, he did not understand it and did not recognize his excellence but he subjected himself willingly to sin and consequently to death and the curse, lending his ear to the word of the devil, for he transgressed the commandment of life, which he had received, and by his sin he separated himself from God, who was his true life, having corrupted his entire nature, so he made himself guilty and subject to a physical and spiritual death, having become wicked, perverse, and corrupt in all his ways. He lost all his excellent gifts, which he had received from God. And he retained none of them except for small traces, which are enough to make him inexcusable. Moreover, all the light in us is turned to darkness. As the scripture teaches us, the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not receive it. Here John calls men darkness. Therefore, we reject everything taught to the contrary concerning man's free will. Since man is nothing but the slave of sin and cannot do a thing unless it is given to him from heaven. For who can boast of being able to do anything good by himself? Since Christ says, no one can come to me unless my father who sent me draws him. Who can glory in his own will when he understands that the mind of the flesh is enmity against God? Who can speak of his own knowledge in view of the fact that The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. In short, who can produce a single thought, since he knows that we are not able to think a thing about ourselves, by ourselves, but that our ability is from God. And therefore, what the apostle says, ought rightly to stand fixed and firm. God works within us both will and to do according to his good pleasure. For there is no understanding nor will conforming to God, his understanding and will apart from Christ's work. And he teaches us when he says, without me, you can do nothing. So you you heard a few things in this, in the creation fall of man. We we first hear of of man's creation, harkening back, pointing us back to Genesis 2-7. We are built, we are created from the dust of the earth, formed to his image and likeness, and so we think, what, is, what does it mean to be formed in the image of God, the imago dei, if you've heard that term? The image of God, he made them, male 
and female, he made them good, just, and holy, able by his own will to conform in all things to the will of God. So what he's doing in this, what Guy Debray is doing this, is reflecting on Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 1 and 2, God names the, the earth, the land, the seas, he makes all things. By the very word of his mouth, he creates and it does what his words do. There's no intermediary between God's words and what's being done in the creation of the world. And so he turns and creates man and then woman out of the rib of man in his image and tells them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and to do. He gives them a commandments as Debray also talks about, for he transgressed the commandment of life. And there's this both this positive and this negative elements. And this, this commandment of life in the 1500s and 1600s is kind of co-changeable, co-terminous with the covenant of works, the commandment of nature, covenant of nature. All of these terms mean relatively the same thing. There's a commandment given in the garden because God has given man all the responsibilities that reflects his creator. As God has created these things, as God has named these things, he tells man, name the animals where the man names the animals and does not find a helper suitable for him. So he's got this positive commandment, do this stuff, but also this negative commandment, don't do this. He says, there's all these trees of the garden that you can't eat from, but of this one tree, do not eat from it. So a positive and a negative commands. And we see this. He was able to do this by his own will. He doesn't need grace in the garden. As we see, he's already good, just, and holy. All of these things by the will of God. But he didn't understand it. He didn't recognize his excellence. And so he lends his ear to the work of the devil, separating himself from God, corrupts his nature, we know from Romans 5, corrupts us. And not just a, a nature that we've received that we did not participate in, because as Paul says in Romans 5, he's our covenant head, through him we sinned, so we sin as he's sinning because he's our head, because he is our covenant head. And so we've become wicked. We lose all of these gifts. We lose that original righteousness. We lose that original just stature, that original holy stature. We lose all of it because we, in Adam, transgressed his commandments of life. We lose everything. And that's why. Guy Debray goes on and says, effectively, who are you to say that you can do this? Who are you to say that now that you fall into abject darkness, not, not dimly lit, can hold out our hand, grab onto the good, and then pull it to ourselves? He says, no. He says, we are nothing but the slave of sin. We willingly took on the form of a slave. We willingly took on the nature of a slave to sin and can't do anything unless it's been given to us from heaven. And Christ says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Who can speak of his own knowledge and view the fact that the natural man does not understand, not has 
a dim understanding of the things of the spirit of God, but has no understanding of the spirit of God. But notice what he also says. He says, even though we've lost all of these gifts, even though we transgress in the garden in Adam, even though we've received, participates, and dwell in this in nature, except for small traces that's retained in none of them, which are enough to make us unexcusable. So we have just enough nature, just enough knowledge of God and his excellent ways. God as the creator of the world to make us inexcusable. And so we reject all these things. We can buy our bootstraps, pull ourselves up, go back into creation, redeem it, and do all the things we were called to do in the garden because we lost it in the garden. And he goes on, but our ability is from God. And therefore, what the apostle says, ought rightly to stand fixed and firm. God works within us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. For there is no understanding or will conforming to God's understanding and will. So he's talking about we can't do anything in and of ourselves, like I said before, to pull us up by our proverbial spiritual bootstraps, pick ourselves up from the ground, pick ourselves up from our sinful nature, pick ourselves up from our sinful minds and everything that we do. We can do anything to conform to God's will apart from Christ's work. As he teaches us when he says, without me, you can do nothing. So the brain article 14 is really pounding in us. We all fell in Adam. Adam was given a perfect rule to do and also the opposite not to do. And he failed both of them. We fail in Adam's failure. We receive the sinful nature, which doesn't just make us sick and wanting somebody who can make us better but it makes us dead and we need somebody to make us alive. We'll further go into this in the next article, but I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of Belichick confession, article number 14 catechism Saturday. Make sure you guys tune into next Monday's season four, episode five of the reformed church on the Westminster standards, Reverend John Morsh, who's next pastor of Trinity OPC, which is in Southern Orange County, the San Clemente, Dana Points area. Talks to us about Westminster Standards. He's been teaching a lot of classes at his church about the Westminster Standards. We want more pastors part of season four to explain some of these reformed doctrines, reformed distinctives from a pastoral perspective. So you guys can hear this from those pastors. If you're not part of a reformed church, you can at least hear this from people who are practicing, practicing this on a consistent week-to-week basis. And then next Thursday, we have book club with Dr. James Hamilton of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary on his new Zonervan book, Typology. It's really a truly one-of-a-kind book that shows the promise-shaped nature, the gospel nature, gospel-shaped nature of redemptive history through scripture. And then next Saturday, we'll have the Doctrine of Original Sin, which is Article 15 of the Belch Confession. And before we leave this episode, if you guys haven't yet heard 
On Sundays, we will be meeting for Santa Ana Reformed, our United Reformed Church Plants, which meets at 4 p.m. on Sundays with a 5.30 p.m. fellow for dinner to follow. If you guys want more news, want to be part of our core group, email me at santaannareformed at gmail.com. Or if you want to click on that link in our show notes, it'll make you part of our core group. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week. Bye.